Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5.30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. Biden is warning Iran not to attack American troops as Iranian proxies keep taking shots at us and trying to kill American troops over in the Middle East. So what do we do about it? What's the deterrent here? Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. We have a new Speaker of the House and we have some breaking news regarding Joe Biden's corruption. So it's going to be a big hour to get to a lot of stuff. We'll try to fit it all in. But let's turn our attention to the Middle East right now. And I'm very happy to welcome back to the show Brian Clark, Senior Fellow and Director at the Center for Defense Concepts and Technology at the Hudson Institute and a former United States Navy submariner. Hello, Brian. Welcome back to the show, sir. How are you? Great, Rich. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm I'm happy about the new Speaker of the House so far. I'm very optimistic from what I've heard. And uh, let's hope he really is serious about going after all the spending and, and reining it in. That would make me yeah. a very happy man. Yeah, it would be nice to uh, get some fiscal discipline back in. Uh, back, at least somebody talking about it, at least, uh, yeah. other than just a few people on the edge. Wouldn't that be nice if we just even had the conversation about it? Uh, uh, <laughs> just, right. just a little bit, once in a while, a chat, a chit-chat about, about fiscal responsibility. Yeah. Exactly. Just acknowledge it, at least. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You are an expert in naval operations, electronic warfare, autonomous systems, military competitions and wargaming, which is very cool. Uh, Let me ask you, first of all, about the Aegis missile system, uh, which I know was was made right here in in South Jersey and uh, very, uh, very, very close to where I broadcast from. Uh, I've heard a lot about yes. that on the news recently, that that's being used in this uh, in the Middle East. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so the um, USS Kearney, uh, we had to use its uh, Aegis missile defense system uh, a few days ago when it was transiting the Red Sea. It got shot at by some Houthi rebels uh, in Yemen. Uh, and so just to give you a sense of how technology has proliferated, You've got these ragtag groups of uh, rebels in Yemen that have anti-ship cruise missiles um, that, you know, would, would previously have been something only at, you know, high-end states have, but now pretty much terrorist group have them. So they shot some of these anti-ship cruise missiles at the Kearney. Uh, it's Aegis missile defense system shot them down um, and used electronic warfare against a couple of them. Uh, but apparently, uh, you know, very successful. Also, the the Houthis launched some drones with the missiles. So they launched the mis- they launched the drones uh, to kind of confuse the radar or hope to, uh, and then they launched the missiles to try to take advantage of the radar being busy with the drones. Um, but apparently, it was un- completely unsuccessful, um, and they all got shot down. So good good job, Aegis. Yeah. So Aegis is the correct way to to pronounce it. Aegis. Right. Uh, and. The, the naval presence that we have down there, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the what have we sent down there? What's what's the goal here and, and what's the capability? Yeah, so there's two carrier strike groups down there. Um, the Eisenhower strike group just got there. 
uh, and the forward strike group uh, was already there nearly nearing the end of its deployment. It was already in the European theater as part of its normal deployment. Uh, the forward is on its first real deployment, um, and it's the newest carrier in the fleet. Uh, it's the one with the electromagnetic catapults and uh, electromagnetic arresting gear and all the fancy technology. Um, and it's got with it um, four destroyers, I think. Uh, and then the Eisenhower brought three destroyers with it. Uh, so a pretty big naval flotilla was sitting in the Eastern Med. The um, Eisenhower strike group apparently is going to make its way uh, over towards um, the Persian Gulf now. So it's going to be uh, transiting uh, over towards um, not the Persian, necessarily the Persian Gulf, but the Arabian Gulf. So the waters off of Iran and Yemen to basically be a show of force against Iran. And then also in um, the Eastern Mediterranean uh, is the Bataan uh, amphibious ready group, which is an amphibious assault ship, which is a huge a helicopter carrier, essentially, um, that uh, you know, is about a thousand feet long. Uh, and then with it are a couple of other amphibious transport ships, uh, altogether about 2,500 Marines. Um, and they're standing by to support Israel with, um, you know, kind of you know, support needs, so like uh, doing um, uh, logistics, humanitarian assistance, uh, medical um, stuff that can relieve the Israelis of uh, some of these duties and allow them to put more troops on the front line, essentially. And the, the what's the word I'm looking for? The deterrence value in this. Because right. really, I mean, that's what we're, we're trying to do here, right? I mean, isn't it? I, from the way I look right. at it is nobody wants World War Three. so the best way to avoid it is Reagan's peace through strength saying, which is, look right. what we have. Don't mess with us. Stay in your crazy lane, Iran, because you are crazy, and stay in the lane and then everybody can, you know, we can, we can live to fight another day here. I mean, right. that, that, that seems to me to be what the strategy is here. But will this be seen by Iran as, as us provoking them, you think? No, I don't think so. So we've, we've, uh, you know, inter, we've inter, interacted with uh, Iranian expatriates over the years to learn kind of what is the Iranian thinking in terms of how US, the U.S. behaves. Um, and generally, they are deterred by U.S. naval presence. Um, they think that uh, naval presence in the in the Persian Gulf, like right next to Iran, is uh, kind of crazy on our part because it creates a lot of targets that they can shoot at. Um, but they feel like if you know when we operate our forces outside the Persian Gulf, um, it's a pretty effective deterrent because they can attack Iran you know without too much difficulty, uh, and also contain Iran's naval forces uh, and other you know power projection capabilities. So they're deterred by that. Um, and so mainly the naval force is there basically to keep other states from taking advantage of this opportunity so you know hezbollah in lebanon is one example so even though that's not the lebanese government there really isn't much of a lebanese government right now and so hezbollah in a lot of ways runs the show there um so keeping hezbollah in check uh keeping iran in check uh keeping the houthis in check you know down in yemen uh so there's a lot of non-state groups that have essentially taken over failed states in the region uh, and that the US naval presence is intended to to try to keep them all contained to allow this conflict with Israel and Hamas to play out and reach some new level of stability. Brian Clark is with me, senior fellow and director of the Center for Defense Concepts and Technology at the Hudson Institute, one of my favorite organizations, the Hudson Institute. And uh, from 2013 to 2019, Brian was a senior fellow at the Center for Strategic and Budgetary Assessments. He also was the special assistant to the chief of naval operations and director of his commander's action group, where he led development of Navy strategy and implemented new initiatives in electromagnetic spectrum operations, undersea warfare. Uh, let me see get this word right. Ex expeditionary operations and personnel and readiness management. That's a lot of words there, Brian. It is. It's a lot. That's a, that's a word salad there. Yeah, <laughs> but not a Kamala Harris word salad because it actually does no. make sense. It, <laughs> it all works. Exactly. You can string it together and it makes sense. Yes. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about what the president announced today with vis-a-vis uh, -vis Australia, where uh, we, we talked about giving them money for some some ships as well. And the South China Sea came up a lot and the question of 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 the uh, the military presence by China. And they keep encroaching on the South China Sea and they keep trying to to uh, to basically claim ownership of this. And it seems what I got from the press conference today, uh, it was hard to make it through Biden's mumbling. But what it seemed what I got from the prime minister of Australia is, look, by the United States giving us this money, we get these warships and then we can we can help be another deterrent against China. 
Yeah. So, there, so under this uh, AUKUS agreement, you know, the uh, U.S. There's lots of you know branches to it. Um, you know, one of the branches is U.S. and Australia. You know, co-invest. Obviously, there's a lot of U.S. money that goes into it to expand production of ships, uh, including submarines. You know, but also other kinds of ships uh, in Australia to try to build up their fleet. Australia's uh, fleet is very small. Um, you know, especially compared to the United States. Um, and they are challenged even to kind of guard their own waters, much less participate in any you know, U.S.-led operations up in the South China Sea. Um, but they're you know, actually on the southern side of the South China Sea, so they they have direct access to the you know, through Indonesia, you know, into the South China Sea, and they are very they have a lot of relationships with countries down there. So Australia is actually a very useful um, ally to have when it comes to trying to establish norms of behavior in the South China Sea. And so doing con- operations together, the U.S. and Australia, is a powerful signal to the Chinese. And actually, I think the, the nations in the region really take, have a lot more, I guess, see a lot more credibility in that than when the U.S. or Australia act alone. So it seems like if we want to push back on China's behavior, you got to do it with countries that are really resident in the region, as opposed to the U.S. trying to do it you know, as an outside power. And it, it seems, you know, to them, to the countries in the region, it seems awkward to do that. So we need to work with countries like Australia. It's interesting. I don't think people think about it from that perspective, but uh, the because you just you just don't think about Australia much. I mean, re- let's face it. You really you really don't. The prime minister's there, and, and it didn't really make a lot of news today. But I tuned into the press conference to hear what he had to say, and uh, the issue of China came up a lot. And then the president walked up there and rambled on about how he spent more time with Xi Jinping than anybody else, and. I, I you just you turn around and you go what 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 are you trying to communicate here to the world it's it's obvious that China Russia and Iran have formed this alliance and it's right. obvious that that part of the reason why Iran doesn't need the 6 billion dollars on frozen is because Iran's made plenty of money selling oil to China and China's more than happy right. to buy that oil from Iran and uh Iran is more than happy to fund uh Russia's whatever their war needs are Iran's happy to provide that to them and, and we're all just sort of sitting back and waiting and wondering, does China take advantage of this opportunity in the world and invade Taiwan? And we all kind of think it's coming at some point. What is the deterrent here to keep that from ever being a reality, you think, Brian? Right. So, so right now, I would say, you know, and talking to a lot of you know, China watchers and, and, you know, having talked previously to people who are leaders in China um, or leaders in the Chinese Navy, it seems like they largely are self-deterred at this point. They still feel like the Chinese military feels like it still is not ready to invade Taiwan at you know, sort of an acceptable level of risk. So the uncertainty of being successful is too high. Um, they wouldn't want to pursue it now. But, you know, in a few years, uh, five or ten years, which is their goal, they want to be ready to do that. Um, and uh, the really the deterrent that the U.S. is going to have to put in place is going to have to be some combination of kind of traditional, you know, missiles launched at ships to stop the invasion and, you know, unmanned systems that are operating in Taiwan from, you know, the Philippines, from Japan that gum up the works uh, for the Chinese. So as they're trying to get across the strait, things get bogged down, their ships get stuck, their ships are you know, getting attacked by these drones, just like you see in the Black Sea with Russia. Um, and then, you know, our long-range missiles are, have a chance to take them out. It turns it into a little bit of a turkey shoot. So that's really the, the way that the U.S. is going to have to move in terms of deterring, because we can't just do it strictly with the high-end stuff alone. We're going to have to do a little, what, a little bit of what Ukraine has done to Russia and use these uh, kind of lower-end unmanned systems to be able to slow down, disrupt an invasion to the point where, you know, our long-range fires can, you know, take out that force. You are uh, an expert in all this stuff, which is great to have you. And you, you were also the recipient of the Department of the Navy Superior Service Medal and the Legion of Merit. And you're also a guy who understands chemistry so and philosophy. So let me ask you questions regarding chemistry and philosophy for a moment. <laughs> These massive ships that we're sending are nuclear-powered. And, right. and here in the United States of America, we act like nuclear is, is, is such a dirty word. I mean, we have nuclear-powered ships on the way right now to secure peace around the world. That's the goal here, to deter against war. Why, why don't people look at that more and say, hey, nuclear power is a good thing, it's a healthy thing, and, and this is something that maybe... So is it a philosophical question about are we just not using this as a great example enough, or is it that people... They, we've just spent more time talking about, I guess, like Three Mile Island than the success of these massive warships we've just built. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we, you know, it's obviously the failures that get highlighted a lot more than the successes. Um, the Navy is, you know, not great at tooting its own horn here, uh, obviously. Part of it is um, the Navy doesn't want to draw a lot of attention to the fact that you've got nuclear-powered warships that are sitting in major cities, you know, around the U.S., you know, to, which might, you know, inflame the, the anti-nuclear consentiment that might be there. But I think, you know, a lot of that anti-nuke sentiment is really eroding, especially with climate change showing that, you know, carbon fuels are not great either. Um, so I think there's a lot more interest. There's, a, there's kind of a resurgence of interest in nuclear power. And I just hope that the U.S. hasn't sort of missed its window because we went for so long without really investing in it that, you know, we may fa- have just lost that whole um, set of people and the infrastructure to really do nuclear power at any, any reasonable price, uh, except in, in the you know, nuclear uh, Navy, because, you know, the nuclear Navy, we obviously – um, pay the money, you know, to, to establish and maintain that infrastructure and those people. But we don't necessarily have that on the civilian side. And, and I, I worry that we may have lost that opportunity to really bring nuclear back into the fold um, because it's been so long. Well, then the two last questions I have for you. Number one is how, how, do the, how does nuclear power work on a, on a naval ship? And how does the Aegis missile system work as well? So the nuclear uh, propulsion really just uses a nuclear reactor to make water hot, and the hot water is then used to uh, heat up uh, a a steam plant, um, and that boils water in the steam plant, and that that steam is used to turn a turbine. So uh, you're just replacing a boiler from a 1920s naval ship with a nuclear reactor that does the same thing. It heats up water. Um, and so you use that water to make steam. The steam is what turns the turbine, and that, that drives the aircraft carrier or the submarine around. Um, now, newer submarines, the next generation of submarines, are going to use that steam to turn an electric or a turbine that turns an electric motor, and then the ship is all, all electric after that. Um, but, yeah, not, it's not, you know, from a, just a strictly engineering standpoint, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, now, the Aegis missile system, how that works is it uses a, a very um, high-end radar, you know, very um, high-fidelity, high-power radar to see um, small objects like missiles that are moving really fast. And then it uses, um, you know, it, it has used very sophisticated computer algorithms to determine, you know, where is that target going? And then how do I intercept it with a missile that I have on my ship? And then I try to make a, I try to hit a rock with a rock, essentially, um, by shooting that missile and having it hit the uh, an intercept point where the uh, enemy threat is going to be. Um, now, these, these systems are increasingly using artificial intelligence, you know, to, to figure out, to predict where that enemy missile is going to end up so that we can make sure our missile is, a, is there at the right time. Um, and that's a really you know, kind of a, a interesting opportunity to take advantage of uh, artificial intelligence because AI is also getting used in missiles that could attack us uh, to make their uh, operations less predictable. So, the competition now between missiles and missile defense is going to incorporate AI, which, um, you know, just means computer programmers are going to have a lot more work to do. All right. And then the last question is, when you talk about the ship becoming all electric, where do you where do you plug it in? I'm just kidding. I'm only kidding. Just kidding. I know it's a yeah, dream yeah. of the left. Actually, the last the real last question I have for you is. Uh, didn't they mock Reagan for Star Wars for this idea that there could be you could shoot a, a rocket that could shoot down another rocket? Wasn't didn't they mock him over this? Oh yeah, yeah. So that yeah, well the technology it was yeah you know, there was that was pretty much it was him you know, putting a, a marker out there yeah you know, where the technology couldn't reach then but can reach now. So yeah, you know, today we do have all these missile defense systems that routinely hit a rock with a rock. Um, so yeah, we 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 sort of uh, achieved that vision. Um, a long time after, I think, they, they thought they could. But, yeah, people made fun of him at the time for that. They, they sure did, and yet without the vision, we may not be here today. Brian Clark, thank you for your point. service, sir, to our country, to the United States Navy, and appreciate your work at the Hudson Institute. Let's definitely talk again. You bet, Rich. Thanks a lot. The 5 o'clock happy hour is brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May. Save 15% on midweek stays, Sunday through Thursday, now till December 31st. Just mention the promo code Zioli at GrandHotelGameMade.com. Have you, by the way, have you noticed, uh, guys, when you've been out, have you noticed store name tags? You know that people wear at stores? Yeah. And it says like Jimmy? Yeah. I was in Wegmans today in Cherry Hill, and the woman there had a name tag on it, and it said she, her on it. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. So we're we're now throwing pronouns on name tags. 
Is this necessary? That's a weird strategy. Did anybody ask for this? What What is the point? I don't. I don't understand. Is, like, what? Like, is this because some people might walk up and go, uh, "Do I say, ma'am? Do I?" In what scenario would that even apply? Because so I'm trying you to figure out. Walk up to an associate. You don't say he or she or anything. You no. see the name tag. You see it says Jimmy or whatever, and you talk to Jimmy. You right. Say, say his name. You wouldn't say he or she or any anything else. But you might say you you might say thank you, sir, for your help. Thanks, bro. You could say thanks, bro. Check you later. What if? What if? So you know what I'm saying? You might say thank you, ma'am. And if a woman has a name tag, says, you know, Sarah, she, her, can I say thank you, ma'am? Because it's been confirmed that she is, in fact, she, her. Sounds like you're in the clear, yeah. Yeah, so I think without the name tag and the helpful pronoun identification, you probably should never call somebody ma'am or sir, because how can you be sure? (laughs) So perhaps this will foster a culture of respect. Sounds like it's just made things more confusing. And all I did was stare at her the whole time going... (laughs) (laughs) Did I ask what your pronouns are? Again, this is one of those things. I didn't ask you. Why are you offering this up to me? I didn't ask you. Why are we offering this stuff up to the world? Yeah, you know? It doesn't even seem remotely relevant for no. the task at hand. Nothing. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm asking you where I can get good cheese. I don't need to know if you're she, her. <laughs> By the way, they do have some good cheese at Wegmans. They have great cheese at Wegmans. I got this goat's cheese well, with uh, cranberry. Does it identify? Wait, 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 wait. Does it? Is it goat cow? Does it identify as goat slash cow or just goat? Yeah, you know, I'm ashamed to say I didn't check the label, so well, perhaps, I'll have to, have to do that. Perhaps you should check and don't just assume. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that before. That's interesting. I bet it'll be everywhere now. I hope. I really hope. And I hope we're not going to this place, this place where we now, because I, you know, it's not, so far we have not had to have it on our email. It's not a requirement at this company. I'm shocking enough that it hasn't. Um, but at some point, I think that this whole pronoun thing, I thought was just going to go away. I thought everybody realized it was stupid and we're just going to go away by now. Mm-hmm. But now we're taking the time to make these metal name tags. It's not even like, it's one thing if like somebody takes up one of those, hi, my name is with a marker. And writes Sarah, she, her, and just slaps it on her chest. But Wegmans is taking the time to invest in these little metal name tags that have this printed on them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess they're all in. And is it mandatory? Like if I work there, do I have to say he, him, or can I say none of your freaking business? Can I put that under there? Hi, my name is Rich. None of your freaking business. <laughs> you want to check? Want to see for yourself? That's what I would that, put. That Want to see for yourself? Yeah, that would probably get you in trouble, that that part. <laughs> How about bat slash man? Identify as a bat man. Well, you got Shopper the, tries shoplifting. You got the man You, call, you in come there, in yeah. out of nowhere like Batman. Bat man. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, really? I mean, that's... Um, uh, my, hi, my name is Rich. None of your freaking business right under it. And this way, if somebody goes, uh, do I say thank you, sir? Do I say thank you, ma'am? I don't know because I don't have it clearly on your name tag what your preferred pronouns are. So I'm not going to say anything to you. How stupid is this? I mean, most of the time now, you don't even deal with people anyway. You're just dealing with the automated checkout, which, again, is artificial technology replacing jobs. So while people are screaming that they want their preferred pronouns on their name tag and the company is placating this, thinking that this is going to make them woke and this is going to make them happy and people are going to love them. At the very same time, more and more of these stores, if you've noticed, are increasing the self-checkout areas little by little. Have you noticed this? Oh, yeah. Weg- I, Wegmans is a perfect example, the one in Cherry Hill that you were just at. Yeah. Um, I know if you bought like one of the prepaid meals, they had a, a register there and you would have to deal with an actual human being in order to to pay for your meal now they have like a series of automated checkout stands so you can kind of just run in grab something quick and and exit yeah and 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 i'm i mean i'm fine with it because i don't i don't need human error i mean i'll i'll do self-checkout all day i'll it works for me i'm happy to do it but there are sometimes i like to speak to people and go up to them and say hello and you know do those things and but now that we have the pronoun thing, I, I, I wonder, can I make, can I even make a comment? Now you say I'm in line, right? And, I'm, and there's Susan and the checkout lady, and she's so nice. And how was your day? And I said, oh, it was good, Susan. Anyway, I see that you are she, her. What, Susan, what is it like being a woman? Tell me what, is, can, I, can I make conversation around that? No, nah, I imagine you'd get escorted out. Do you really have a vagina, Susan? 
Like now you're definitely getting kicked out. You think so? You're gonna get banned from Wegmans. Do you want it? Do you uh, do you intend to stay a she/her, Susan? Is this a law? Lo- is this a lifetime choice you're, that yeah. you've, you're you're making here? You'll definitely get kicked out in that scenario. They'll probably kick me out too, just because I'm associated with you. And then I'm out of goat's cheese. And then you can't. You're goat. <laughs> Slash cow cheese. Sorry, yeah, I haven't, I haven't confirmed that it is a goat. Yeah. Don't make assumptions about cheese and who their parents were, and the cheese that they were assigned at birth, because <laughs> that may that cheese may identify as cow, but actually may have been mischeesed, misdairied, and is actually is actually a goat cheese. You know what I mean? You're right. I I'm sorry. I feel like a fool now. Well, I, it's for easily forgiven. The other day I saw a cheese that identifies as cow, goat, and sheep. And I thought, why? Why Why the blending of all this? Is sheep cheese a thing? Uh, oh, in Italy, it's huge. Is it? Yes. I didn't have any. Yes, you did. You just didn't realize it. No, I did not. I didn't, you, eat, well, I didn't eat sheep cheese. Listen to me. When you had, did you go to a restaurant and get parmesan? Yeah. Like, re, like, did they do any, you know, grated oh, yeah, cheese? Yeah, that was sheep. That's all sheep over there. They don't use cow the for that. Parmesan cheese, a hundred percent. Not parmesan or reggiano necessarily, yeah, that... but like, if you like the Locatelli Romano, for example, mm-hmm. that's all. That's all sheep cheese. I eat sheep cheese. Yes, uh, and know. it's wonderful. I, like I went that. to a sheep farm when the Zioli Army went matter? to Italy. Oh, it's a weird animal to get cheese from. No, it's not. Sheep cheese? It's a sheep. I don't trust it. Henry, where's the audio clip I'm looking for? You know the one I'm looking for right now, I don't know you? the one you're looking for. I'll tell you what. I'm skimming through these photos. These are pretty good-looking camels. Would you eat camel cheese? <laughs> no, I'm not eating camel not cheese either. Sicko? <laughs> now, Italy, I'll tell you, the uh, prime minister there is single now. You know, she dumped <laughs> yeah, her boyfriend. I saw this. The prime minister dumped her boyfriend because the guy wanted to get into like he wanted to do like a group sex thing or something like that. Did you hear that? It was a foursome, I believe. Yeah, and the prime minister of Italy, I'm a huge fan of her. I I, I love her. If I if I could go over there and date her, I I mean I'm married, happily married. I'm saying in a, in a hypothetical world where I lived in Italy and I was a single man, I would definitely ask the prime minister out on a date. Wouldn't you? I mean, like you know, oh, she's, she's single, single? now. Yeah. Georgia Maloney, and she's gonna. They're taking one step closer to banning artificial meat in Italy, and that's good because artificial gabagool is not a good thing. Let me tell you something: artificial gabagool, artificial prosciutto is not a good thing. You need to have the real deal. Am I right? Oh yeah, over there it was incredible. It's incredible, but I don't want no man-made gabagool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Imagine going to Italy and getting stuck with uh, deli meat that was generated in a laboratory. It'd be like this. It'd be like, excuse me, yeah? There's a problem with this gabagool. I know they don't call it gabagool over there. I know that, but it doesn't matter because it's the American Italian. So I have to say it like that. But, uh, you know, excuse me, yeah? This gabagool tasted like it was made by a robot, eh? <laughs> was it this thing I made in the lab? I need a gabagool with a parent. Does this gabagool have a mom and dad? <laughs> so Georgia Maloney is single now. The the uh, Italy's family first prime minister Georgia Maloney has broken up with her TV journalist boyfriend after lewd comments in which he grabbed his uh, his genital area as he propositioned a co-host to a threesome or foursome, and that led to the suspension of his television show. Maloney took to social media Friday to announce a split from Andrea Giambruno, who is also the father of their seven year old daughter. She said, my relationship with Andrea Giambruno, which lasted almost 10 years, ends here. She said, and uh, that was it. She says, I, I thank you for the splendid years we spent together, for the difficulties we went through, and for giving me the most important thing in my life, which is our daughter, Gen- excuse me, Genevra. She said, uh, I guess he agreed too. And Now, did he say this on the air? I guess this was, he, this was said on the air. Huh? It, it had to have been, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't get suspended from your show and then divorced from your i guess broken up with the prime minister the prime minister it's not just getting dumped i mean you got dumped by the prime minister of freaking italy who you have a kid with right yeah that's no that's this dude yeah he fumbled the bag big time excuse yeah this a prosciutto to taste like it's a freaking lab meat is this a freaking lab meat does it this prosciutto have a mom and a dad eh that's how the conversation goes over there, right? Am I right? That's how they talk. <laughs> Sounds like, it's, it's like I'm back. By the way, this guy has great hair. You should never trust a dude with great hair.
I don't. That's why I can't stand Gavin Newsom. <laughs> who was also sucking up the China today. <laughs> why do you like sheep cheese anyway? I didn't have sheep cheese. You're the one who says I like sheep cheese. I don't think I ever ate it. You're the one in denial that you ever ate sheep cheese. I don't think I have. I you, didn't even know it was allegedly. a thing. If you were in Italy, I'm telling you right now, if you were in Italy, 100% you had sheep's cheese. Uh, I went to a sheep farm. We had a wonderful time there. And they make sheep They make sheep cheese. Go Next time you go to Wegmans, ask him, he, him behind the counter or <laughs> okay. she, her behind the counter. Yeah. For some some sheep's ricotta. All right? Can you do that for me? I can give it a shot. Okay. Or sheep's ragout. All right? Get some sheep's ragout and put that and and you're going to love it. All right? I do the I shave it. You know, I get the, the and that's what I do and I shave it right onto the food. I don't I don't like buying the stuff that's pre pre-shaved. I like to take my parmesan and I like to shave it directly. It does taste different. That's right. I loved the buff, uh, buffalo mozzarella cheese. That was incredible. Yeah. Is this thing a freaking buffalo or what, huh? Huh? Is this a thing a buffalo? I'm starving. This is always what happens. Yeah, I'm really hungry now, too. Oh, man. I could I could go over some sheep's cheese right now. <laughs> I don't want the sheep's cheese. Scusi, yeah? This agabagool tastes like it was made in a freaking Frankenstein. Huh? Can I get a gabagool that doesn't have a freaking Frankenstein? Uh, 855-839-1210. Now, if you want a very, very funny clip to watch, there's an, there's an old funny or die clip from uh, Paulie Walnuts and Lorraine Bracco from the, some, from the Sopranos. And it's, and it's the Bensonhurst spelling bee. And all the words are, you know, like marinara and, you know, and, and Paulie Walnuts pronounces it like, your word is manad. And then you use it in a sentence. Manad is what your mother makes on the stove for four or five hours a day. Manad. And it's M-A-N-A-D-A-T. Manad. Good. You know what I mean? It's hysterical, by the way. <laughs> I have to watch that. I don't the, think the I've ever seen it. The funnier pronunciation. Yeah, it's great. Because, uh, uh, again, if you go to Italy and actually ask for gabagool, they're probably going to look <laughs> at you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's not going to end well. No. It's not gonna. It's not gonna end well for anybody. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten. This is what happens around five thirty in the show. We start to get hungry, and you think that somebody would send us food and you know feed nourish us, but maybe one time, just once, right? Just one time, we could eat it on the air and talk about it. But uh, listen, I've been telling you about my buddy Dr. Mike Venaria for a long time now. He's a great guy, and you know the entire family goes to see him. Dr. Mike Venaria, and that's how you pronounce it the Italian way, Venaria. Uh, he has his veterans breakfast coming up. I want to invite you to that. It's going to be on Saturday, November the 11th to salute our veterans to say thank you for your service and to enjoy a great complimentary breakfast. He does this every year. He's done it for, for decades and it's a very, very wonderful day. It's a great day. But the level of care and commitment you're going to get from Dr. Mike Venari, it's a level of dental excellence that he and his staff deliver. And I tell you what, the staff are great people. You go in the office, everybody's nice to you. They're friendly. They're happy. There's great music playing. And what sets Dr. Mike Venari apart is that he does the most complicated dental implants, complicated dental implants. And if you need dental implants, listen to me. You don't want to go to just the closest dentist. You want to go to the best. You don't want to go to those chain dental offices either because they're concerned with one thing and that's cost. Dr. Mike is concerned with one thing and that's your care. That's the difference. And that's why for 10 consecutive years, he has been recognized as a top dentist in New Jersey for 10 consecutive years. A respected reputation among his colleagues, patients that keep coming back to him year after year, and patients that travel to see him, like Mama Zioli, who comes all the way up from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Your smile is everything. Your smile says so much to the world. So make sure your smile is beautiful. And that's Dr. Mike Venaria. Two locations to serve you. Cinnaminson and Woodbury right over the bridge. Schedule your free dental implant consultation today for your perfect smile. Call 856-786-2020, 856-786-2020, or visit VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. And yes, he gets asked the question all the time, does Rich really come here? Yes, I do. He's my dentist, and Mama Zioli discovered him. And mark your calendar for his free veterans breakfast and free 
Community shredding event coming up Sunday, Saturday, Saturday, November 11th, 2023 at his Cinnamonson office on Riverton Road. 856-786-2020, 856-786-2020, or visit VanariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VanariaDental.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All right, welcome back to the show. Glad you are here today. 855-839-1210 is the number. The media is freaking out over the new House Speaker, which is a good sign that he's going to be a real conservative, and uh, they absolutely um, hate him. But but some have conceded that he may not be the actual devil. Gavin Newsom is kissing up to China. Uh, Shocking right there. Uh, And uh, the lesser Cuomo, to his credit, calling out the media showing deference to Hamas terrorists. So good for the lesser Cuomo for speaking out on that. Uh, But I started the show today by telling you that the ACLU has finally come out and they have argued in an amicus brief, a friend of the court brief, that um, the gag order against Donald Trump is unconstitutional and violates the First Amendment. He was hit with another $10,000 fine today by the court. And this order is absolutely outrageously grossly unconstitutional. And I'm glad that the American Civil Liberties Union has finally said something. Because that was what I've been wondering, where, where, they, where they've been. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I, the ACLU is, is awful today. It's awful. It's terrible. It, they, they are a, in, in, what they stand for is they are an organization, and for the most part, what they do is they defend far left-wing causes like transgender this and abortion rights on demand and everything else. And, and they, they've in, endorsed hate speech codes. They endorsed the national vaccine mandate during COVID. How the hell can you stand for liberty and argue in an editorial that a vaccine mandate is constitutional and good for liberty? Oh, in a virus that had a death rate of, of less than, it was, it was like 1%. So they're a joke. But anyway, today they did the right thing in issuing this press release. The American Civil Liberties Union submitted a motion for leave to file an amicus brief arguing that an overly broad gag order imposed on Donald J. Trump in an ongoing election interference case violates the First Amendment. Among the key arguments within the brief include the gag order is too vague and it's ban on targeting the prosecutor. Now, remember something, the, the prosecutor, the special counsel. Is a public official. The, the special counsel is a public official. The, the, the government of the United States of America is bringing this case against Donald Trump, much like how in the state of Georgia, the government of Georgia is bringing the case against Donald Trump in the state of New York. The state of New York is bringing the case against Trump, even though that case is a civil case. In my mind, the, 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 the fine here is so incredibly punitive that the spirit of the Sixth Amendment should reign and Trump should be entitled to a jury trial because he could lose his entire enterprise, his entire 
corporate enterprise could be taken away in a civil trial. Civil trial is not meant for the government to, you know, for the government to turn around and just simply say, well, since you're not facing jail time, it's a civil trial. That's not the spirit of the Constitution. The spirit of the Constitution in a civil trial is, you know, I, I'm suing you over an unpaid debt or I'm suing you over something tattered my reputation or something like that. When the government comes after you, whether it's civil or criminal, if the government can take away your business, your enterprise, your property, that has massive implications and you should deserve a jury trial for that. It's in line with the due process clause of the Constitution, life, liberty, property, life, liberty, property. Remember, the founders and the framers of the Constitution were very, very cognizant of the fact that private property rights are essential to the republic. You know, that's something the left hates private property rights and they, they, they envision a future where nobody owns anything, but private property rights are essential to liberty. If the government of the state of New York can just take your property away, all of it, that they might as well throw you in jail. It's the same. It, it really is the same thing. You've lost liberty in the same context. Yeah, you can walk the streets, but you, you lose your business. So he just, he should absolutely get a jury trial there, but let's focus on the federal gag order for a moment, because that's what this is about in this instance. The gag order could be read, the ACLU argues, to encompass more identification of people or issues, which whether or not such targeting is threatening or causes any harm. The gag order is too broad, as it covers a special counsel who is a public official and the substance of any witness's testimony, which will almost certainly include issues that are highly relevant to the 2024 presidential campaign. Absolutely. Donald Trump is a candidate for president of the United States has a right and an obligation, I would argue, to explain to the voters what the government is doing to him. He has the right to stand up there in a town hall meeting and go, hey, not for nothing, but this government is coming after me, just like they're coming after you. And I told you, I said this the other day when I was filling in for Mark Levin. I said this on his show Friday night. You know all these moms around the country who have been targeted by Merrick Garland, the attorney general? of the United States called terrorists for going to school board meetings and speaking out because they didn't like the books that their kids were being told to read in class or they didn't like mask mandates and and COVID mandates and everything else. So parents around the country were called domestic terrorists and were accused of being potential domestic violent extremists. Merrick Garland, the attorney general who's butthurt for not getting his hearing to be a United States Supreme court justice. That guy issues a letter along with the national school boards association saying, Hey, the FBI may be watching you. Let's focus on women for a moment here. I keep hearing that the suburban female vote in 2024 is going to be the key to the next presidential election. So let's take the suburban woman vote in Pennsylvania. Right? Coward counties of Philadelphia and all the moms out there. How many of those moms, and maybe you're one of them listening right now, have you had any of your social media posts taken down? Have you had them muted? Have you had people call you names? Hateful, bigoted names. Perhaps you're, you're a mom and you spoke out against a, a, a book like Gender Queer being in your kid's library and people came around and called you a hateful bigot. Perhaps you're a mom and you spoke out about the fact that you don't believe it's appropriate for five-year-olds to learn what a vulva is and you were called names. And maybe you're a mom who went to a school board meeting and then uh, everyone in town started talking about what a hateful, bigoted person you are. You see... Trump has the ability now to connect. And politics is very much all about empathy, empathizing with people, walking a mile in their shoes. He has the ability to empathize with these people and maybe people who at one point in the past never would have supported him, but now understand exactly what the left can do to you, to destroy your reputation, to shred you and call you hateful names just simply because they disagree with you. I've told you about my friend. She lives in South Jersey. She used to never vote Republican. She used to hate my radio show. And now she'll never vote Democrat ever again in her life because of what her son has, her kids have been through in school and dealing with the Democrats and the teachers union. And I know a lot of people like that. COVID changed a lot for people. Well, I, I, friends like that who now go on social media and they're called hateful bigots because of who they support for school board, for example. So there's Trump at a town hall meeting and he can say, I know exactly what you're going through. You've been silenced. You've been called names. Well, that's what they're doing to me. This government's coming after me and this government's coming after you too. Don't forget the same government that's coming after me 
is coming after you. They put out that letter saying you could be a domestic violent extremist. You could be a domestic terrorist. So maybe all these suburban moms who might have been offended in the past by Trump's tweets, these mean tweets, well, now they've been accused of putting out mean tweets or mean Facebook posts. I mean, how many times back then did you hear people say, I just wish he would stop tweeting? Oh, the tweets. And then COVID comes along, Trump's out of office, and suddenly now you have this whole argument about curriculum in schools. These moms are putting things on Facebook. Like, I don't think it's appropriate for the kids to learn this. I, I don't want this being taught in schools. I, don't, I want to know if my kid is coming to school and saying he's transgender. I want to know these things. And immediately the left turns around and screams, you're a hateful bigot. Why are you putting out such mean things? So, so the same suburban mom in Bucks County, for example, who years ago thought Trump, Trump's tweets were mean and he was a big meanie pants. Well, now she knows exactly what it's like to be called a meanie pants, a hateful person, a bigot, where people have said to her, can't you just keep quiet? Can't you just not say anything? Can't you just keep your opinions to yourself? And not put this stuff out there on social media. And she says, no, I can't. I have to say something because I don't want my kids being exposed to this in the classroom. If my daughter goes to school and tells everybody when she gets there that she's actually a boy, I want to know about it. I want to speak out against. I want to speak up. I got to know. I have a right to know. So suddenly now Trump's tweets don't seem that mean anymore. Those Facebook posts don't seem so mean when, when now you have also been called a mean person where people have accused you of being intolerant and a bigot and a hateful person. And you're none of those things. You're just advocating for common sense policy around your children in schools. It's actually a great advantage he has going into this election. Because people that at one point would have been so offended by some of those social media posts have had people not talk to them anymore because of the things they've posted on social media. Have literally lost friends over it. People who posted about the COVID vaccine. I'm not vaccinating my kids. Have lost friends and family members over it. And people have pulled them aside and said, why can't you just be quiet? Why don't you just put happy pictures of your kids playing with puppies? And they said, no, I got to speak out. So they know what it's like now to be called intolerant, a bigot, to be called uh, a, an inciter, you know, to, in, to in, in, inflame things and in, incite people with emotions and and they, they, they've been called every name in the book. And what they also have seen is they've seen social media silence them, too. They've seen that firsthand. You post on Twitter, you post on Facebook, you post things the government doesn't like, and then it disappears. Big tech does their thing where they all collude together and your comments just seem to suddenly now go into the ether somewhere. Or maybe you're flat out banned or you're put in Twitter jail or Facebook jail or whatever it is. Whatever it is, you can relate now a little bit more to the struggle that Trump is going through trying to get his message across to people when the government of the United States of America, which is prosecuting him, is now telling him he does not have the ability to go out there and tell you that the government is coming after him. Because the government's also coming after you. And, you know, he has that famous line. He says, they're, they're not coming after me. They're coming after you. I'm just standing in the way. Well, actually, they're, no, they're coming after you, too. They're coming after you and me and everybody. Everybody who's a conservative. Everybody who has a conservative opinion. They're coming after you. They want to shut you down. They want to literally shut you down. And Trump, as a candidate, has the ability and the right, and I would argue the obligation, to stand up there at a town hall meeting when a woman stands up and says, Mr. President, why is the government coming after you? To turn around and say, well, they're doing the same thing to you, aren't they? This government is trying to silence me and shut me down and shut me up because I'm going to make sure that the government can't do that to you. I'm not going to let the attorney general of the United States accuse you of being a terrorist to try to intimidate you from speaking up at a school board meeting. I won't let that happen. You see, the American Civil Liberties Union, which is normally a a, a, a joke of an organization when it comes to civil liberties on this, is 100% right. The public has a right to hear speech from the defendant especially as it affects our ability to hold fair and free elections. The First Amendment provides no license to engage in unlawful speech, including incitement, threats, or solicitation of criminal activity. However, the gag order currently in place is insufficiently justified since it has not shown a serious threat that the speech it prohibits 
will, will threaten the administration of justice. It's exactly right. And even though the ACLU hates Trump's guts, for whatever reason, and I don't know, I know, I mean, obviously they hate him because they're a wacko organization nowadays, but Anthony D. Romero, the executive director of the ACLU, says, no modern-day president did more damage to civil liberties and civil rights than President Trump. But if we allow his free speech rights to be abridged, we know that other unpopular voices, even ones we agree with, will also be silenced. As much as we disagreed with Donald Trump's policies, everyone is entitled to the same First Amendment protection against gag orders that are too broad and too vague. And they're correct in this point. They're absolutely correct on this point. And this is a short clip, and I'm going to play the longer version when we get back, but a very short clip of a flashback of our new House Speaker, Mike Johnson, saying how Twitter was basically an FBI subsidiary before Elon Musk took over. This is what I mean about the unholy triad of the government, big tech, and corporate media all working to silence you and make sure that the government's message is the message that triumphs in the court of public opinion. In fact, is the only message allowed in the town square cut four. the federal government from democrat members of congress to intelligence agencies including the fbi used twitter and other social media companies to censor americans speech if the alarm bells are not going off then you're not paying attention over the past three years documents show they prove what you guys have have uncovered here there's communication between twitter and the fbi it was constant it was pervasive Twitter was basically an FBI subsidiary before Elon Musk took it over. He's exactly right. Uh, more to say on this is new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, what he said today. And wait till you hear Trump responding to Biden, who wanted to take him out back to the woodshed or whatever and teach him a lesson. It's fantastic. We got a lot to talk about our fourth and final hour. Straight ahead. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 